0: the Gospel of John chapter 1. I know time is moving on, but we turn to God's Word. It's very important that we do. John chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 6 through to verse 8. So once you're there in John chapter 1, if I could ask you just again to stand for the reading of God's Word, audibly read the Word together to honor the Word of God. John chapter 1, if you can, would you please stand, and verse 6 through to verse 8. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 6 through to verse 8. Let's read it together. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Father, this morning we do pray, as has been prayed, that you would anoint us both to preach and to hear your word this morning we pray for the quickening power of the holy spirit that your word lord would go forth across even this nation these islands this morning wherever these precious pages are opened. that you would quicken your servants and your people by your power lord we believe that you're doing a mighty work in these days and O oh god we pray that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit is saying in jesus name Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. Uh, Hopefully, we'll uh, work our way through this uh, message that the Lord has put in my heart. I I, I prepared a message. As you know, I was away for a couple of days speaking at a small conference just of other ministers from across uh, the United Kingdom and uh, I'd prepared just before going, just a message. I believe the Lord had given me. I still believe it's a message the Lord had given me, but it's just the time of when He wants you to deliver it. And uh, but just coming home on the plane on Friday night, I just knew I was. I just knew straight away that that the Lord was going to speak and just bring us a different direction uh, for this morning. And uh, what was burning really in 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 my heart just in one of the evenings, a Thursday evening, just in this meeting. Uh, We had a time at the end, and we were waiting on the Lord. And there was a precious couple there, um, an older couple. They were just part of the gathering. And uh, this lady then brought forth a prophetic message uh, that she believed was for the nations, these nations that we are a part of, um, United kingdom in Ireland, uh, these islands of which we are placed by God's mercy in these days. And she just really felt something burning in her heart. And she began to prophesy concerning an end time ministry that she believes is about to break forth. I also know that many of us will have heard similar prophetic utterances uh, in line with this. So I know it's part of, it's not a new thing in that sense, but I believe it's something that the Lord has been speaking to our hearts for uh, many years that there would be a prophetic and a, a ministry that would be raised up in these last days. It would be a John the Baptist type ministry, that it would be a John the Baptist type ministry. And God has his men and women across these nations that are going to rise up with the Spirit, the same Spirit that was upon John. They will rise up in the Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of Elijah. And they would come forth with a word of the Lord for these last days to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. And that has very much been our theme. Emmy's doing well, her lungs. Praise the Lord. He's touched her lungs and her tummy. It's okay. Amen. It's good to hear shouting out. That was an amen, by the way, in case you didn't hear it. But I believe that the Lord had just stirred uh, this, that witness of that prophetic message. Um, and it was a witness, certainly, that we all felt uh, together just as we waited on the Lord on Thursday night. I want to speak on there was a man sent from god and i pray that we would all be men and women as you might hear me speak a lot about towards the men but it's men or women men and women that we would all be a people that are sent from god in these last days often people focus in on the word sent rather than focusing on the fact that we need to be from god needs to be from the lord if we ever needed such a time In the hour in which we're living, the purest ministry that you'd find in the Gospels outside of Christ himself was the ministry of John. He did not come to speak of himself. He came to speak about another, and his name is Jesus. We've read in our reading there, if you look at it again, he says, There was a man that was sent from God. His name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light is what it says, that all men through him might believe John was not the light. John was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. It's very important in understanding this ministry. He is not the light, but he was there to bear witness of that light, and that light is Jesus. To understand something of this ministry, I want us to go back, if we can, Um, into the Old Testament, the very last book of the Old Testament in the Malachi chapter 3. And we see um, as we approach into the age when John came forth to announce the coming of the Lord and that earthly ministry, we find here that there was a close out of the Old Covenant uh, dispensation in Malachi chapter 3. And the Bible says here in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, this prophetic utterance comes forth as the end of that covenant, that dispensation was about to come to a close, that chapter, if you like, in God's dispensations. In Malachi 3 and 1, the Lord says through the prophet, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. This is some four hundred years before the Lord would come. And then if you turn over into chapter four, chapter four and verse five, as the as the as the Old Testament is about to close out, the prophet Malachi Then says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. It's actually very profound because in one sentence you find the beginning of the dispensation and the end. The Elijah the prophet and then the great and the dreadful day of the Lord is the day of the Lord. That great day when the Lord will come may close off this period of dispensation that we are in, of grace. And we see here, this in this one sentence, from the beginning right to the end, Malachi gives an insight under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that Elijah the prophet would come. Now, the Old Testament saints, of course, were very much aware of Elijah the prophet. Even to this day, there will be a chair left, uh, an empty chair left for Elijah the prophet, believing for him to become. Some believe that he's one of the two prophets. But Elijah the prophet would come before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord, and then it gives us an insight into the ministry of John the Baptist, the the ministry that would come. He shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. This unique ministry of reconciliation at the very foundation of it there will be repentance. Reconciliation is a wonderful ministry, but at the foundation of reconciliation, there is always repentance. And so in this period of time, as Malachi uh, closes out uh, the, the, the Old Testament dispensation, we're about to enter in at this time, a period of time of 400 years, where in many respects, the The prophetic fall silent, not entirely because we know there was Anna the prophetess, and there must have been other prophets during that time encouraging the people of the Lord, but there was a a silence. It's known as the intertestamental period. Uh, The understanding between the two testaments that there was this silence that had come over these 400 year period. The instruction for the Old Testament saints was just very simple. If you look in Uh, Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4, you see there that they're just instructed as the the Old Covenant, uh, they're told to remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all of Israel with the statutes and the judgments. That's their final instruction. There is the coming of a messenger. He will come in the spirit of Elijah He has a unique ministry of turning the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. And then there is this instruction that they are to continue on in remembering the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him with the statutes and the judgments thereof. Now, as we move up, I'm just filling this in for a moment to understand and see the parallels between that ministry and where we are today, what God will raise up, and um, just as we come towards the birth of Christ, after that 400-year period, around 37 B.C., there was a man by the name of Herod the Great. He began to build and extend uh, the temple area, and he's known as the, the builder of that great temple, the second temple of the Lord. And he uh, around, I think it was around 20 BC, began to expand the temple area, rebuild it, and so forth. This is important because this is what John was coming into. And so there was a great pride, a great looking at the, at the religious system that they had. They, they, there was many within of that remnant that were walking in the way of the Lord and feared the Lord. But then there was another parallel religious system, and that was a system that is opposed to the John the Baptist ministry. They ultimately beheaded him. And so there is a, a great opposition to this ministry to come forth. And so we see this great temple is being built, and the glory and the, the, the majesty of that temple. And there's a people within that, as much as there was a whole religious side, there was a people that just loved the Lord, there was always a people that just loved the Lord, walk according to His Word. 400 years later, there was a group of people within that that were simply following the instruction of the Lord. Like we read, they were remembering the law of Moses. They were walking in the way of the Lord. There was no great thunder and lightning, but they just loved God. They walked according to His Word. There was a very simple people. They respected His statutes and His judgments. God had said nothing else, and so they simply obeyed the Lord and walked in His Word. And the reason that I'm sharing that is because, of course, we know there was a remnant of believers. There was Anna, I've already mentioned the prophetess. There was Simeon, of course, there was Mary, and there was Joseph. And then there was another precious couple because to understand this ministry that I believe prophetically the Lord is bringing forth, we to understand something of his birth. Birthing is very important, the birth. In Luke chapter 1, if you turn over, we start to see that God begins to unfold his prophetic purposes. And we find here a couple, a very precious couple in Scripture, um, and they're called Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were part of that remnant in that day. But in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judah, Judea sorry, a certain priest named Zacharias. Of the course of Abiah and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And look at this testimony of this precious couple. They were both righteous before the Lord, walking in all the commandments and the ordinance of the Lord. They were blameless. They They took God's Word serious. What God said, they simply took His Word. And because they loved God, they walked in obedience. It's so simple. Because they loved the Lord, they walked in in the Word of the Lord, and the commandments and the ordinances. But verse 7 says that they had no child. They had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. And then the Bible says that they were both now well stricken in years. They were well stricken in years. That would remind you, of course, of Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 11, it says that Abraham and Sarah were old, and they were well stricken in years. And then it says of Sarah that she was uh, ceased to be after the manner of women. So, in other words, what we're reading here is about a very precious couple that loved the Lord that believed His Word, that walked in His Word, that trusted the Lord, that loved God and followed the instructions of God's Word. But within that circumstance of that family, uh, her womb was shut. And they'd lived that life. They still continued to love God. They still continued to walk in His way. But now they'd come to a place in their lives where they were old and they'd passed the age of childbirth. And that's basically what it means and the word also means of great age. They were quite an old couple, but they were faithful. They were just faithful. They, there was no flashing lights. There was no. There was nothing of that. They just were faithful to the Lord. They loved God. They followed His Word. There was, you know, Zacharias and Elizabeth. If you'd have lived near them, I believe you just would have seen this faithful. Thank God for faithful people. Thank God for faithful men and women who are older and in the faith, who walk with God, who love the Lord. You may not hear much from them or, or or you maybe not hear all the activity that goes on, but you just see them faithful to the Lord. They walk daily with the Lord. They love the Lord. They encourage one another. They serve God. There's, there's nothing, I suppose, in the worldly terms to say there's something special or great about them, but they're great in the sight of the Lord because they're faithful. There was a simple walk with God. And now we find them in this great age, I believe, metaphorically speaking, in a spiritual sense, it had, be, it had become beyond the realms of possibility that God would answer their prayer in the natural. In the natural. What we think in the natural, as Judith was sharing this morning, if God, if, if, if with, with, while it's within the possibility of our ability to do something, Lord, you could answer this prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? Lord, while we can still do something about this, you just answer the prayer and we will do it. But what happens then when God takes away all human possibility for that prayer to be answered? What happens when all of that is taken away and you know that in yourself and by human reason or by our own strength or our own endeavors, or our own intellect, or our, own, our, own, our own doing? that in all our mindset of what we think it could do and how God could answer it, and we often think this way because God will, it looks so clear now. You've done A, you've done B, you've done C. So Lord, just do D and then it's all done. How many people know that God's ways are not our ways? And so He has to bring it to a place where it goes beyond all human ability. For to birth something in the Spirit, it has to go beyond all human ability that we can do this. Friends, we cannot do this. It is not possible by our own strength, our own method, our own intellect, our own ideas. And Zacharias and Elizabeth were now well stricken in years. And they've stripped, been stripped of all human possibilities that their circumstances could be changed. And I want to take a moment, if I could, just to look into the heart of Zacharias the Scripture doesn't tell us much about him except that we know he was a righteous man. He was blameless. He followed the way of the Lord. He was faithful. But I want to note, note this morning that when it says that, that they had no child, you're looking beyond a whole history of faith and prayer and tears and brokenness. And times when Zacharias would come in to Elizabeth and find her in tears and weeping before the Lord and saying, oh, Zacharias, I just wanted a child. And I'm getting older and now we've been praying and seeking the Lord, but this child hasn't come. I believe that to be the reality because they're men and women like you and I. They're not superheroes, they're ordinary people, but they had a great God whom they believed in. And so Zacharias would come in and often find the frustrations would be there. We prayed for a child. We prayed for an answer. We prayed that God would intervene. And God hasn't intervened. Has anyone ever been in that place? That you prayed, you believed, you've wept, you've cried, you believe it's the Lord. But the Lord, it seems as though He has not intervened. anyone ever been there? that you've called on the Lord, that you've cried out to the Lord, that you believe the promises of God, that you love God, you walk with God, you follow His Word, you love God with all of your heart, you've prayed and you've cried unto the Lord, but yet it has not the answer that you expect has not come. And there was a cry in the heart of this man, I believe in this woman, that God had Himself created in their hearts. God had created the circumstances that there would be a cry that would come forth. Now, what I believe very importantly is that God is creating within His people a cry, an intercession, to begin to call out to the Lord for a burden of this ministry in these days. He is stripping away bit by bit all of the natural abilities of man and in the church that we can do this. We can't not do this. We cannot do this. I believe that in some ways we are uh, protected or sheltered in some way of what fully is happening across these islands. When I listen to some of the testimonies from the ministers here over in England and in London and some of the big cities, I want to tell you, friend, there's a certain amount that we are still sheltered from. It is actually awful what's happening on the mainland. It is awful what's taking place. And in some way, Balnehinch or Analong or or Kilkil, there's a certain amount that we're sheltered from what is really happening in those big cities across these islands. A, A nation that once loved God. A nation that once revered God. A nation that once sent missionaries all across the globe. And now we're seeing a very different place. And God is stripping away everything of our natural ability that we can do this. What for? To put a cry in the depths of the heart of His people. God, we need You to come. We need You to break For We need You to birth something that's in the Spirit. And so we see as this woman and man, they believe within their own circumstances. And this is important, and I... I really believe this is crucial to, to know or see what is happening within the heart of this. They felt that it was their personal circumstances. They just felt it was about them. But you know that it's so much greater than you, and it's so much greater than me, and it's so much greater than us, the purposes of God. But yet, He was creating a cry within them that was greater than them. But they didn't see that because He's God. And so there's a cry. And the natural run of things, then we're exhausted with the natural means of us trying to do this. I honestly believe that God is stripping and sifting the church of Jesus Christ of all its natural abilities. It is leaning on its own understanding, and it has been for years. Its own abilities, its talents. We're trusting in the arm of flesh, and God said, I am going to strip all of that from my bride but I am going to furnish her with the power of the Holy Ghost. All of the natural the, 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 that fits the narrative. We can get a strategy. We can do all these things. We are able. We have great intellect. We have great abilities. We have great talent. We have all of those things. I'm not saying God will not use those things, but I'm saying we have trusted and leaned on these things rather than being sent from God. God sent from God. And so the earthly wisdom and that which is born of the earth is the earth. God is doing something for His purpose that's beyond the comprehension of man. But I want to tell you, since you can trust God, you can trust Him. And often it looks like we we in ourselves We can say, can anything good come out of this? You might be looking at this and Zacharias and Elizabeth, are looking at their own circumstances and saying, God, this seems hopeless. We've prayed, we've cried, we've called on you, Lord, would you answer us? And the answer hasn't come. We still love God. We still walk with them. We still follow the word of God. And we've cried and we've wept over, maybe it's a loved one, maybe it's a circumstance, maybe it's something happening in your life. And for years you've been saying, God, And it nearly seems as though you've maybe come to the point where you're so exhausted in yourself that you're saying, maybe God isn't going to answer. Maybe God actually didn't hear me. Maybe God didn't hear my cry or see my tears. God answers other people's prayers, but he doesn't answer mine. And you become exhausted praying about the same thing, calling out to God about the same thing. Asking God to intervene about the same thing. And you've wept and you've cried and you've called. And you've lay in your bed and you've cried and you've wept. And you've got up in the night hour. And you maybe got a fresh touch in a, on a Sunday morning service. And you say, I'm going to seek God for this tomorrow. And you get up early in the Monday morning and you seek the Lord. And you lay up before the Lord and you feel encouraged. But very quickly again, all the human endeavor and the natural enthusiasm begins to wade and you're tired again and you're weary, but you've still called on the Lord out of a sincere heart. And you're saying, God, have you heard my prayer? Lord, Is are you there, God? Do you hear me? Maybe it's, only, maybe it's only me that has been there, but I believe you have been there. Where you've called and you say, God, do you hear me? I can't live in this anymore. I can't walk in this anymore. Lord, why will you not answer me? Lord, why would you not intervene? Lord, why would you not do it the way I want you to do it? God, I need you to come. When God is about to birth something for His glory, I want you to note something very important. It's always birthed in heaven before it's birthed on earth. It's always birthed in the heart of the Father, always. We have too many things that are being birthed in the earth under the earthy, but over that which is born in the heart of God and revealed on the earth through men and women, a man sent from God. Where are these things birthed? Where can you find them then? If God's heart is to birth something from the heaven and reveal it, I am so thankful that God uses men and women. Are you glad that he uses you? That is desire. It's for His glory, but He still wants to use you. Are you thankful that God has a plan for your life and a purpose? Are you thankful that God said, I want to reveal my purpose into your heart in order that you would go forth for my glory? That you would be a man or a woman and they could say of you, here is a man that's been sent from God. These things are birthed, and I heard this phrase this week, and I just went, oh God. That is so true. The place where God's heart is burst is a place where you find bent knees, a broken heart, and wet cheeks. You want to know God's purpose? It's going to be in the place where the knees are bent and the heart's broken and the tears are flowing. That's where he comes. Sadly, today we have stiff necks, Hard hearts and dry eyes. My God, help us. And we're birthing things with stiff necks and hard hearts and dry eyes and they don't last more than months or years and they die and cause havoc. But God gives us hearts that are broken, eyes that are wet with tears and knees that are bent at the throne of grace and God says, I'll reveal my heart to you. I believe Zacharias and Elizabeth were men and women of bent knees, wet cheeks, and a broken heart. God created a need. Anyone in need this morning? I want to tell you, you're in a great place if you're in need. Anybody need Him? We need Him. Do anybody really need the Lord? Is there a cry in your heart? Oh God, I need you to come. Is there a cry in the depths of your being? I need a touch of God this morning. Is there a neediness in our hearts? The problem so often is we lose that neediness, that sense of need in the Lord. Friends, this morning when we come to the pulpit, do we need Him? Is the first cry in your heart, I know it isn't mine every time that I stand here, I go, God, I need You to come. I cannot do this. I cannot live. I cannot walk. I cannot breathe. I cannot survive a day unless, Lord, You touch me. I need of him, I believe Zachariah was a man, was a needy man. He needed the Lord. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 9, it simply says this. Luke 1 and verse 9, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. It was like another Sunday morning. Maybe someone's got up and come to this house this morning and says, it's Sunday. You've trailed yourself out of bed. You've threw on your jacket. You've put the war paint on, tried to cover all the tears and all the brokenness and everything else and all the attitude and the empty heart and the broken life, just in that place where you so need the Lord. And you've sort of dandered through the doors and said, oh God, I'll, well, I'll go through the motions here this morning. I'll enjoy the singing because it's so anointed. It's always the same. Thank God for it. But I'll just do what I need to do here. Someone tells me to put my hand up. I'll put my hand up. Someone says to stand up. I'll stand up. Someone says to sit down. I'll sit down. When someone says, would you say amen? I'll say amen. But in that heart, there's something so empty, so needy. It was another Sunday. It was another Sabbath. It was another day that Zacharias, somehow the lot just fell. Zacharias... Would you come and would you burn the incense on the altar today? This is just another day in the life of Zacharias. He's an old man. God hasn't finished with the old. I know the church has finished with the old, but God hasn't finished with the old. It's sad that the church today are saying, we don't need the old. We just need to cater for the youth. That's nonsense. And so the old man comes in. It was his... Lot to burn the incense. What's the place of incense? Speak of the altar of incense. Of course it speaks of prayer, doesn't it? It's where the saints pray and the the incense of our prayers ascends up into the very throne of God and God smells our prayers. It pleases him as he hears the cry of a heart, even if it's a few words, and even if it's a few broken words, it's not really so much about getting all the words right. It's just a heart that's communing with God and says, oh God, I'm so thankful that you saved me, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you're God of my life. I thank you, Lord, that you're on the throne. I thank you for your blood this morning. And there's an incense that's rising up into the very throne of God, and he smells that incense, and it pleases God. And there's Zachariah here he is. It's just, maybe, I don't know. But he knows he's faithful to the things of God, but it just simply says the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of the incense. And then as he walks in, you just never know, Richard, what might happen in a meeting. You just never know. We come so accustomed just to doing the things and going through the motions. You never know, you, Z- Z- what could happen just in a moment. Because we become so accustomed with, Tim's going to wrap this up in a half an hour and I have to get home because the dinner's on and the chicken might be burnt and I'm tired and I want to get a nap this afternoon and I have so much to do this week. But you just never know if God takes over what might happen in a meeting. You just may never know that this is the morning that if you're sick in your body, that He might heal you. You just may know, never know this morning that all the years of seeking for the baptism in the Holy Ghost, that this morning He could fill you with the power of the Holy Ghost. You just may never know this morning that you're sitting here troubled and broken in your heart and in your mind, not know where to turn, and all the thoughts of death and suicide are crippling you this morning, that God would touch you and you're free. You just may never know this morning in your rebellion and the hardness of your heart and rejecting God and not concerned about the things of God and have all your plans for the world. I thank God for the power of the Holy Ghost this morning that can arrest a man or a woman in an instant. You just may never know what could happen by the end of this meeting because we become accustomed to to the things that we do. We come in and we go out and Tim's going to do his thing and he might jump up and down and shout and everything else but just maybe God might step in. Maybe a young man or a young woman that's sitting with all the concerns of life and the purpose and plan, and what will I do? Where will I go? But maybe the Holy Ghost could come upon a young boy and reveal to him the purposes and plans of God and the calling of God for his life just in an instant. You just never know. You just never know what can happen in a meeting where we can throw open the doors of our heart, where we can pull down the curtains and the facade of life and religion, and we just simply say, God, have your way! And we're vulnerable. And we step out of the realms of the natural, of of the mundia. but yet they're important because they just followed on the instruction of the Lord. They were pure in their heart in in which they were doing it, but Zacharias is an old man He's stumbling into that house and he's coming up just like he's always done. But this day, think about it. The angel of the Lord is standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Gabriel, I've come, Zacharias. What would you do? This actually happened, friends. This is not a story. It's not a fairy tale. This actually happened. An old man comes staggering in. With all his aches and pains to the house of God, standing right beside that altar of incense is the angel of the Lord. Gabriel! Zacharias! I need to tell you something. What's that? God's heard your prayer. What? What? Fear and trembling. I believe the old man probably stood back. He was terrified, it tells us. What? God seen your tears. God seen your pillow was soaking wet as you wept before the Lord. God seen you on your knees at the time when you were broken and you cried out to him, God, are you there? God, do you hear me? God, don't leave me where I am. God seen you the time when you fell. God seen the time when you were broken. God's seen the time when you've turned your back on him and went your own way. And then he says, God, have mercy. God, heard your prayer. We so often forget that in a moment, suddenly, he can come to the temple. We've lost the aspect of the suddenly Suddenly it can all change. Suddenly he can break through. Suddenly he's coming. Suddenly revival. Suddenly the river flows. Suddenly men and women are captivated with this Christ. Suddenly. And there he stands. The Bible tells us he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. And the angel said, Fear not. Zacharias... For thy prayer is heard. Thy prayer is heard. God heard your prayer. God heard your prayer. God heard your prayer. God heard your prayer. Listen to me. God heard your prayer. God heard you. You may not have said words, but He's seen your tears. You may not have been able to speak, but He knows your heart. You may have, fumbled out all your confusion and left it before the Lord, but he's seen it all. And Zechariah, Gabriel says, your prayers heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and you'll call his name John. God knows their names. God knows their names. Listen to me. God knows their names. Before they're born, God knows their names. I want to say that again because this world is filled with demonic activity and devils that are destroying the unborn and the womb. God knows their names. God knows their names. You hear me? God knows their names. I didn't realize you might be saying that he heard that prayer I didn't realize, I didn't realize that he'd seen those tears. I didn't realize when he, in that dark night, when I turned over in my bed, and the house was quiet, and there was no one about, and all the pain of that heart, and all the tears that you wept, I didn't realize that he heard me. Gabriel says, I've heard your prayer." Bible tells us in Revelation 5 and 8 that when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors. Do you know what it says, what they are? The golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Have you any prayers in there? Put your hand up if you've got a prayer in the golden vials. About five, anyway. I think there's more than none. There are probably thousands from each one of us. And he hears them all. And he's gathered them all. And he knows them all. He knows every one of them. He knows when you prayed it, you might have forgot it. He knows when you cried it, you might have dried those eyes and moved on. But he hears, hears all our prayers. And he's got them in these golden vials up in heaven. Isn't that amazing? But he'll answer them. His way and His time. That's a tough one for us, isn't it? He answers them His way. We always must remember this. And in His time. He'll answer them, I'm going to say it again, in His way and in His time. That's a tough one for us. Because in the natural, we often think, Lord, If you did it this way, I think that would be a great idea. I mean, Lord, it would just work out so wonderful. Anyone ever sort of, I know we don't say it that way. I'm trying to be a bit, okay, it's not funny. That's okay, but I'm just trying to tell you the way we sometimes do it. We have great ideas, don't we? I just think, I just think, Lord, I just think if you've done it this way, Is this going to work out really, lovely? And then it doesn't. And then disappointment comes. You want to know why? Because he doesn't ask us to answer it. We are asking him to answer it. And they answer that in his way and his time. Why? Because our Father knows best. We may not always understand it, but praise the Lord, and the sweet by, and by will understand it then. Because it's something bigger than the individual. In Luke chapter 1, verse 14, it says the angel begins to bring forth the answer, but some uh, of the fullness of what God's purpose is. He says, Thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at His birth. It must have been some What do you call them things, them baby things? The baby showers, isn't it? Imagine the baby shower in Zacharias' house. It must have been. Well, the angel said there's going to be joy and gladness, but there must have been something else. Here's two very old people, and uh, they've been given a baby supernaturally by the Lord, and they must have been inviting everyone in, going, whoa, this is amazing. They were delighted. But then this is what tells us about this ministry, because... I believe this is the ministry that's coming forth. This is the character of the man, the characteristics of the ministry. Number one, he'll be great in the sight of the Lord, but I want to tell you something he'll not be great in the sight of men. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord, but he'll not be great in the sight of men. Actually, the opposite, even amongst people in the church but he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. See, all that matters really is what God thinks. We say that, but it actually is true. <laughs> I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Praise the Lord. a man's applause. But this ministry is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Second thing you note is, and I know I'm walking through hot potatoes all over the place, but let me tell you what the Bible says. He'll neither drink wine or strong drink. That means he's going to have to sober up about three quarters of the church today. Oh, I, I know all the arguments, but this is the ministry that's coming forth. But you know what they'll be? they're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? I want to ask you again. I want you to free yourself from tradition. Free yourself from all the doctrines that the church has choked itself with for years, hundreds of years. I'm asking you, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? This is the ministry that's coming. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Could I ask you a second question? Just answer it in your heart. Do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? This ministry that will come will be a ministry that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Even from its birth, its mother's womb, Many of the children of Israel shall turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn, there it is, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And here it is, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. There is no greater person that can prepare a people for the Lord and the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It was Elisha, the servant of Elijah, that witnessed firsthand the Spirit on Elijah. It was so potent. Just for a moment, if you would, turn back to 1 Kings chapter 19. I know you know this the verses, but I want to talk about this spirit of Elijah, the spirit and the part of Elijah. Elisha, I don't know a lot of this has been distorted, but I just don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, if you, if you like. A lot of this has been distorted. But Elisha's seen something that he wanted. He's seen something that he wanted in Elijah. Elijah was not a superman. Elijah was a man just like, you know what it says in James, doesn't it? That he was a man of like passions. Homeopathes is the word, the Greek word. That simply means that he was similarly affected. In other words, see every day the stuff that affects you. The man of God, the man of faith also was affected by those things too. He had like passions as we are. We know he did have, I'm thankful. I, I preached on this just over at the cup, but see the first 18 chapters of 1 Kings 19. I'm so thankful that they're there. i tell you why I'm thankful that they're there. Because if we had a finish at the end of chapter 18, we finished with revival on the mountain. We finished with the with the prophets slaying the prophets of Baal with a sword. We're finished with all of Israel falling on their faces, saying, the Lord, he is God. I mean, you're just gone. It can't get any better. Then if you lift, miss out the next 18 verses, we see then that Elijah deals with some of the kings, and then the double portion falls upon Elisha, and the next minute he goes to heaven in a chariot, and we all went, well, praise the Lord. But you get the first, those 18 verses. You can read them when you go home. We see a man on the run. Because he was afraid. We see a man discouraged sitting in a cave. We see a man that was hungry because the angel had to feed him. We see a man that thought he was the only one left. We see a man that was overcome with circumstances. And the angel had to come and touch him. And a still but small voice. God had to rend the rocks. And the earthquake and send the fire and then speak to him and say, Elijah, what are you doing here? So I'm thankful that he was a man, maybe not like you, maybe you've never had those circumstances, but he experienced what we experience. It was real. But he was a man that Alicia looked at and said, I want what he has, but not only do I want it, nobody he asked for, can I have a double portion? Imagine, imagine someone saying this morning in a prayer meeting, what would you think? What would you think? Don't answer this in case, but what would you think? What would you think this morning, if Brent got up there and the hands went up in the air and he says, Lord, give me the double portion. Whew. He's your man. He's your man in the front row, eh? Asking for a double portion. Should we not all be a people that are saying, Lord, we want a double portion? Should we not all be a people that cry, not for ourselves, because the true ministry of John the Baptist, remember, what is it about? He is not the light. We're not going to be in lights. He is not the light, but He's here to bear witness of the light. Who is the light? In 1 Kings 19 and verse 20, it says these words, Sorry, if you go into 2 Kings verse, chapter 2 and verse 9. 2 Kings 2 and 9. But there is a principle that I believe is important that before we ask for a double portion, something must happen. And I believe it happens in our heart. 2 Kings 2 and 9. It came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Imagine, what? Imagine the Lord's asking our hearts this. Imagine, Brian, imagine this morning the Lord saying, Brian, what is it you would want of me? What would you want this morning, Catherine? If the Lord says, Catherine, what would you want of me? What would you want of me, Annabelle? The Lord said, what would you want of me? And Alicia had seen the reality of the power of God and the man Elijah. And he says, oh, listen, Elijah, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. I want a double portion. Do you want me to show you why he could ask such a question? Now go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. This is why he could ask. 1 Kings 19 verse 20. When he got a glimpse of the prophet, he says these words, He left the ox and he ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow thee. He said unto him, Go back again, for what have I to do with thee? And he returned back. And here is the principle at the bottom of all of this, that a man with boldness and faith in his heart can ask for a double portion. Elisha had taken the yoke of oxen. He slew them. He boiled their flesh and the instruments, of the oxen and he gave it to the people and they did eat. Then he arose and he went after Elijah. Do you know what happened? He just got rid of it all. We want the double portion, but we don't want in the modern church any sacrifice, any cost. Any anything of that. We just want it. You know, you see all the soaking sessions and all the sessions they have today. And they're all soaking. I don't know what they're soaking in, but let me tell you something, friends. God's looking for men and women that are going to deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow Jesus. Then you can ask for a double portion. It must be noted that in the historical account of faith over the past 2,000 years and the thousands recorded before that, In the scriptures, at the darkest of hours, in the hopeless of times, in the bleakest of seasons, you can write across the pages time and time and time and time again. There was a man sent from God. Can I tell you, God has not finished with this generation? He hasn't finished. God's looking for men and women but i want to mention something on the men i believe that the greatest attack on manhood has taken place in our generation it's a demonic attack it's the destruction of manhood that that is what we're witnessing because that's god's order that's god's plan god made man and god made woman it's it's not a he's the big guy and she's the weak girl. God made a beautiful order in creation, man and woman. But the purpose of the devil is to destroy manhood. It's to destroy manhood. Men don't know what it is to be a man anymore. They're influenced with the spirit of the age. It's influenced every part of our society, our education, our politics, everywhere you know the story. But manhood is being destroyed. Do you know what God's looking for, men? He's looking for men. He's just looking for men. Men that are real, like passions, as Elijah. Men that have, yes, they have flaws, they have faults. You'll find them in all us men. Ask your wife, she'll tell you if you need to know. But we all have flaws. But men that have a heart, that are after God. Men that are going to be men. Men that are going to stand up and be men. Too many men want to be women. Too many men want to act like women. Too one, Too many men want to speak like women. Too many men want to dress like women. It's a day for man to be man. Stand up and be a man. Be your own man. We're living in tragic days because the enemy's attacking headship, and headship is biblical. Headship is biblical. Can I hear an amen if you believe this? I want to ask you men this morning, the men, women, I want you to be included, but I want to ask our men, all of our men, all of our men, including me, I want to ask us all this morning, at the end of your life, And if the Lord tarries, and we'll go the way of all men, all of us will, we'll go the way of all men. When they dig that hole in the ground, and they lower that casket down into the depths of that hole, and the sods begin to fall on top of that hole, praise the Lord, I'll not be there anyway. But when they do, I want to ask you a question What will they put on your epitaph? You know, they say that more lies are told at a funeral than any other place. Do you know, by the grace of God, that I believe that the greatest thing that they could write at any of our headstones is this there was a man sent from God. there was a man that was sent from God. It wasn't about him. It was about him. But they got along with God because, as I'm coming to a close, the sent man, the sent man has spent time with God. He comes out of a wilderness. If you look at them all, all of them, men and women, if you look at them all, you'll find that they have recognized a few things about themselves. Number one, that they're full of flaws and failures. Number two, that they're willing to sacrifice to follow. And number three, that they've spent time with God. What does that mean? What does it mean to spend time with God? Turn your CDs off. Close all your books. Close all the sermon. Shut YouTube down. Shut all the stuff down. And you and God get alone. That's a hard thing to do for men. Get alone with God. Every man that I read of that's been sent from God has had an encounter, most of them, at the backside of a desert, thinking that it's all wound up and it's all over, and suddenly God, suddenly God meets with him. We need to get alone with God. Turn it off shut it down, rend your heart, get on your knees, break your heart, weep, men, weep, men, weep. I was told years ago by a very successful preacher, because I wept in the pulpit one time, don't do that, don't show yourself vulnerable. Don't show the congregation your weaknesses. I want to tell you, friends, show yourself to be weak and vulnerable and there's tears, but get alone with God. If you want to be a saint man, then you're going to have to spend the time with God. We must get alone with God. Women, we must get alone with God. We cannot survive just on meetings. We cannot survive just on what someone else said. We must get alone with God. There's a man sent from God. Sometimes you'll experience darkness. Sometimes you'll experience loneliness. Sometimes you'll experience isolation. Sometimes you'll experience Difficulties, trials, a lot of the time or most of the time you will, but when you set yourself to seek Him with all of your heart, you know what the word says? You're going to find him. And see when you find them. I want to tell you friends, the greatest moments that I've had with God, having't been on the mountaintops and everything going well, has been when the knees have been bent because of circumstances and the heart's been broke and the tears have come. And then he breaks through. And there's nothing like his presence. Nothing like his presence. Think of Joseph. Think of Abraham. Think of David. Think of the prophets. Think of Peter. Think of Paul. Think of Wesley. Think of Whitfield. Think of Booze. Think of all the greats. What you'll find is there were men. There were men that burnt the ply and said, I want a double portion. You know, every time, God never let them down. Paul said these words, but what things were gained to me? You know what he said? I've counted them loss for Christ. I've counted them loss. These are men that make an impact on this world everything that was gained. John said these words. I'll close with this. This is the ministry. Imagine. Brent, stand here. But don't talk about anyone else but Jesus for one hour. That was the ministry of John the Baptist. It wasn't about him. It was about him. We can talk about everything, but can you talk about Jesus? His whole life was him. He must increase, but I must decrease. I believe that this is the ministry that's about to burst onto the scene of this world. And if God can't find it in the construction of buildings that are called churches, I am going to tell you where he's going to pull it out of he's going to pull it out of the gutters of sin, the prostitutes, the drug addicts, and the alcoholics, and the nobodies. Nobody wants them. Nobody cares for them. But he'll pull them out of that wilderness because he will have a voice in this day. Suddenly everything can change. Lord, may we be the men and the women of God and may they say of us, Do you know, when you go into your workplace in the morning, can I tell you what you are? You're a man sent from God. You walk into that workplace tomorrow, all those men, filthy talk and everything going on, know what you are? You're a man sent from God. You've got a message for this world. Oh God, may we be this people. God's heard your prayer, friend. God's heard your prayer, whose vows are full, and he answers it in his way and in his time. May we be the men and women that he wants us to be. Let's pray together this morning.